turn with me to the scriptures, please. We're going to go to the Psalms, to Psalm 56, please. Psalm 56. Psalm 56, beginning to read at verse 1. We're just going to lift out the first four verses. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He, fighting daily, oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O Thy Most High. What time I am afraid... I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Now we know the Lord will bless that reading of his own divine inspired word in public, but we just want to ask his continued blessing on the service this morning. Let's just bow on a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you indeed for your holy word your divine word, and thy word is truth, Lord, and we come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and we ask you, Father, now that you would help me to glorify him. May thy blessed Holy Spirit have his way in this service today, whether it's someone in a car or someone listening somewhere else or watching. We pray, O God, that you would speak into our hearts and meet us where our need is, because, Lord, you are the omnipotent God, almighty and powerful, and there's nothing too great nor difficult nor too hard for thee. We ask you, God, that you would touch the sick this morning, that you would heal the sick this morning, and that you would raise them up this morning. May they, in Jesus' name, from this moment, do well in their body and their flesh, in their mind, in their heart. But we pray, Father, if there's one here, Lord, or watches or listens, that is unsaved this morning, that they would come to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, O God, that you would strengthen your people, encourage us in thy word today, glorify your name. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Billy sang there, he could have called 10,000 angels, and he actually could have called more, but that's the words of the song that Billy sang so wonderfully, Billy, and beautifully. Thank you. The Lord Jesus is coming again with more than 10,000 angels. He's coming with myriads and myriads of angels. And the second coming, we believe, in these days and these hours are rolling closer together. We don't know the day nor the hour, but we believe that the signs of the times are all around us. And we find that Christians are, and I maybe say it all the time, but it's because I hear it all the time, many Christians are afraid. Many Christians are afraid of what is happening, what is going on in the world, and there's a lot of things going on in our world today. And many Christians are afraid of what's maybe happening in their lives, and maybe they're feeling a little bereft of God because maybe they haven't walked the way they should have or used to. And so they find that distance between them and their Savior. I want you to know this morning that God hasn't went anywhere. 
and he has not moved nor removed himself from his own, but rather it is you and I who remove ourselves from him, that he is with you always, and he is where you are, but you must turn yourself unto him again. We find that there are many trials and troubles and testings and tribulations that come against the Christian, against the believer in Christ, the blood-washed. We find that there's many things in our lives that they cut deep into our hearts and they dig deep into our spirit. Our souls are almost marred with something that's happened, a discouragement, a disillusionment. Maybe a disappointment and things like this really dig deep into the heart. A loss of a loved one. A breakup of a marriage. It could be a sickness or an illness that's come and plagued someone and they've become weak and weary and down. And maybe have even become wayward. Wayward in the spirit. Wayward from God. This morning I want to break a little word or two down for you that hopefully you will be encouraged, that maybe you'll be challenged, maybe you'll be instructed, and maybe even you'll be admonished. But nevertheless, all will be to the glory of Christ in your life. In our reading, we have David writing the psalm, Psalm 56. And he's coming into much trouble. And he knows and reflects back and the trouble that has happened to him in recent times or in recent years. Notice here, he says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. There's much happening in the world today when we have the like of global elitists. Man wants to swallow us up. Man wants to swallow you up and me up. Man wants to swallow our sovereign nations up. Man wants to destroy that which God has given us and our heritage. And he wants to take, he wants to rob, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. There's so much skullduggery and dirt that's going on in the world, especially the political world today, whether it's here in Ulster, in the United Kingdom, in Ireland, and in the United States of America, or wherever else across Europe and so on. Man wants to swallow us up, and as we watch our news, as we look at the news bulletins and turn on the radio or go on social media, we find nothing but doom and gloom. And even that mainstream media is hiding the reality of the ways of man and hiding the reality of the things that are happening in our nations this very moment. There is much going on and we are blinded and blindsided by the things that are happening and that which we're being fed and that which we are being told day in, day out, continuously 
and constantly bombarded with these issues. Our eyes are being diverted from Christ and his gospel. And our eyes, if allowed, would be diverted from the word of God. And fear strikes the heart. Concern and worry is strong in many people. And today we can see in God's word, it's right up to date. And even more up to date than the very media that we watch. The Lord is ahead of them, brother. The Lord is ahead of them, sister. And God laughs at their folly. He is not taken by surprise. So church, do not be discouraged at the things which are happening, but rather trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. For in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Notice here, be merciful unto me, O God, David Christ. Looking back, many things in his life have made an impact and have imprinted deep into the very heart, the mind, and the soul of the man. We want to look at the opening captions just for a few moments. They're very important. The opening captions of Psalm 56, look at what it says. To the chief musician upon Jonath, Elam Rechokim, Mitchtam of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. David is speaking here when he ran away from Saul, the king of Israel, a man's choice. When he ran away as David played his harp, there with his hands employing to the worship of his God, Yahweh Jehovah God. They're playing with the tune of the Lord of inspiration. There David playing his harp and Saul, he has in his hand a javelin. A javelin to pin David to the wall. And I can tell you, friend, there are many in society, if they have their way, would pin the church of Jesus Christ to the wall with their javelin. There they take with wicked hands, and there they would smite us to death if they could. But I want to let you know that Christ is invincible, and Christ is on our side. And we in Christ are on the winning team, for I have read the back of the book. Notice here, David runs for fear of Saul. David runs for fear. And he runs into Philistine territory, right into the enemy's camp. They're hoping to find some refuge in his day and hour of trouble. Here he finds things go from bad to worse. Now time would not allow me to be able to read it, but in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we are told of David's journey into the Philistines to Achish, the king of Gath, or otherwise known as Abimelech. Abimelech is a title like Pharaoh or like the Caesar. 
And David goes and realizes he was afraid of Saul. And now he runs and says he is sore afraid. Sore afraid of a chish. He realizes he's allowed his fear to get worse. He's allowed his troubles to cause him to run into that which is more dangerous rather than trusting in the God who had anointed him through Samuel the prophet to be king over Israel. And that's the problem for many of us. Many of us run in fear. Many of us allow fear to run us. And so we run in fear and fear runs us until we find ourselves worse than we were before. David even runs so much in fear. He ruins his testimony. He ruins his testimony of the power of God and the promises of God over and in his very life. I want to tell you, Christian, I want to tell you, save man and save woman. If you're Christ, the power of God is over your life. If you're Christ, the promises of God are in your life and for your life. And nothing should cause us to be afraid because we belong to Christ. We're washed in the blood and we're covered and we're cleansed. We're clothed in his righteousness and he is the soon coming king. He's coming for a spotless bride. Be not afraid. Be not afraid, Christian, but rather place all your hopes, your fears and your trusts, your worries and your plans into the hand of the one who loved you and gave himself for you. And you'll find that he is your hope and he is your strength. So this morning, I want to tell you a little about David in the Philistine camp. They bring him to Achish the king in Gath, the king of the Philistines. And David, being sore afraid of Achish, starts losing his testimony and becomes a terrible state. Your mind can do that, can't it? Your mind brings you into a terrible state sometimes a state of concern and a state of worry and a state of fear. And here David, sore afraid, finds himself in a terrible and a dreadful state. He starts to spit down his beard. And the spittle runs down his beard because of fear. He says, if I make myself or feign myself to be mad, then maybe he will have mercy on me. That a chish will have mercy and will not kill me. David's thinking is wrong here. David's thinking is wrong. Here he says, I'll spit down my beard. The Bible tells us, 1 Samuel chapter 21, says David's spittle ran down his beard and he clawed on the doorpost as though he feigned himself to be mad. Now listen to the words of what happened. They looked at this madman in the palace. And it just says, is this he who they sing about? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Is this the one? 
In other words, this is the man who the Philistines have been conquered with? Is this the man who God has appointed and anointed? Is this the man? Look at his testimony. Look at his testimony. Brother, sister this morning, look at his testimony before the enemies of God's people. And look at his testimony. You see, when you and I are running around with fear, without having the assurance of our salvation in Christ, the world and the enemies of Christ and his gospel may look at you and say, is this the God that we hear of? Look at this man. Look at this woman. Where is their God? David was hoping for some mercy from a chish, but rather he got pity. He got pity. And he was sent away as a lunatic madman. And this is the anointed king of Israel. Church this morning, do not forget that the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, saith the scriptures. Do not forget that when you're out there and we read of all that's happening in the world today and in our land, and we read of all the things that are going on and people are afraid, don't forget that there's an anointing in the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit of God. And turn to the Word and ask Him to show you afresh the very truths that Christ is still on the throne and that he is still God over all and over all God. Here we find a man who loses his testimony. Can I ask you this morning, believer, how's your testimony? Has the world seen you acting like the world? Has the world seen you with your bottles of beer, your bottles of alcohol? Has the world seen you Where is this Christ that this one speaks of? What's the difference between him and me or her than me? Has the world heard you speaking words of fear and words of blasphemy and words that are cursed and swearing? What way has the world seen you today? Brothers and sisters, let's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, for he is our God, and he loves us as his own. Something to notice here. The little title, verse 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God. David is hoping for mercy from a chish. Now he realizes with hindsight. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. But he realizes with hindsight that there's mercy to be found in God. There's mercy to be found In Christ, friend, this morning. Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. And he's always merciful unto his own. Notice this here in the opening titles. To the chief musician. This song, this psalm was to be sung. Not by just any lower ranking musician. By the chief musician. 
David wanted this to be known and to be heard all across Israel, just like we're hearing it this morning. He wanted it to be read. He wanted it to be played. He wanted it to be sung. And we are singing it this morning and reading it in the ears of the people. But notice this word to the chief musician. Big long word. Junathilam Richakim. Junathilam Richakim. I want to break this down for a moment because I think it's important that we know what's happening here. Jonath Elam Rishokim is made up of three words. Jonath, Elam, Rechok. That's the three words put together. Jonath Elam Rechokim. That's the way it reads. Notice this. Jonath means dove. It's like we have the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. His name means dove. Dove. Notice this, if you will. Here we find in Hosea chapter 7 and in verse 11. Listen to what the Lord says. And this is to the northern house of Israel. They had fallen into sin. They had allowed their nation to become godless. They sacrificed their babies to Molech. They put them into brazen statues that were uh, heated with fire and they roasted their babies alive on, to appease some sort of heathen bonic deity, alleged deity. And the house of Israel had went way way far from God. And this is what he says in Hosea 7:11. Ephraim is a name for the northern kingdom of Israel. And he says, Ephraim is as a silly dove without heart. Notice, Ephraim is as a silly dove without heart. He, he then goes on to say they go, or call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. In other words, they went to everywhere and everyone else, everywhere that they could think of to try and find and make alliances and allegiances. Britain today is no different. We were willing for over 40 years, 50 years, what was, to make an alliance, a covenant of death with the elitists of a European Union and now we're finding that Britain has, as it were, found her liberty, but left Ulster behind. Disastrous. Treacherous. We find that we are still linked in with this beast of a system. We find that we're still there with all of their their laws hanging over us. How we should or how we should not trade and in what way we should or shouldn't trade. But anyhow, we find here that they were trading in the house of Israel, were trading with all of the other nations except for Judah, their brethren in the south. They were running, trying to find other lovers in Assyria, who eventually took them captive. They called to Egypt 
where God had brought them out of, returning back to do business with them, reminds me of today with our fisheries, with our fishing waters, that we still can't come free unless we trade with this Egypt again. And brothers and sisters, it's fear that is set in to our politicians. Westminster is disastrous. And we find that even here, that today it feeds fear into the hearts of men and women, the five-eighths like you and like me. Notice here, it says, Ephraim is as a silly dove without heart. Without heart. The term here, as a silly dove without heart. It is the word patha. Silly. Patha. Listen to what it means. It means to be lured away. It means to be deceived. Deceived. It means to be enticed away with other things. And the house of Israel were lured away. They were enticed. They were deceived with everything that would bring them away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would be lured away, enticed, and deceived with everything that would take them away from their heritage. They would be lured. They would be deceived and taken away with everything that brought them away from their God. Brothers and sisters, when I look at our land and our nation, how godless it has become, how godless the people are, it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. Now we're finding those who were quiet are now shouting from the rooftops, and those who were hidden are now out in the streets, and those who were behind the scenes are now out in front in public. That which was once conspiracy is now becoming and is a reality. And we're seeing it and many Christians are blinded to what is going on in the world today. But I can tell you, friend, I can tell you, brother, and I can tell you, sister, those of us, who know the word of God, our eyes are opened to the wickedness in our land and our nations, and we are prepared for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and he will soon break the skies, and we shall behold him. Are you ready? Are you saved? Here we find Britain has been lured. People are being lured. Christians are being lured and deceived and enticed away. And they're putting their trust in everything and in everyone but God. It's time for us to cry. As they cried in Psalm 56 and verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God. Rather than looking for mercy, 
in everyone and everything else. That which man can do and give us. I can tell you, man is not your saviour. One man is your saviour, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, Jonah means dove. Jonah, Elam, Rishaka means dove. Secondly, Jonah, Elam, as in Jonah, Elam, Rishaka, Elam means silent. It means silent. In Psalm 58, if you would turn with me, please. Psalm 58, verse 1. This is a strange word. It means silent or dumb. Allah means silent or dumb. Psalm 58 says to the chief musician, Alashtheth, which means do not destroy. This is, this is more of an Arabic word. Do not destroy. Notice this. Mixed time of David. We'll look at that in a moment, God willing. And here we find in verse 1, Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Now, do you see the word congregation there? You underline it. You underline it, for it's the word alam, as in Jonah alam. It's alam, and it means silent or dumb, D-U-M-B. Congregation means silent or dumb. It gives the idea of binding sheaves together. The congregation came together, but they were dumb. And they were silent. That's the idea of this word. The congregation has become dumb and silent. There's no righteousness spoken of. And in this Psalm 58, we have Abner. We have Saul, as we spoke of. We have the chosen man to hunt David out and the counsels of wickedness against him. And David says, you're like a congregation. And where are the voices of righteousness? That's what it means here. Where's the congregation? that will speak out in righteousness. In other words, he's saying, are you dumb? Will you not speak for that which is right against that which is wrong? That's what David is saying here. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do you judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? I've written this down in the flyleaf of my Bible. This is what David is saying here. Basically, he's saying, he who refrains from defending the right is himself an accomplice in the wrong. I'll say it again. He who refrains from defending the right is himself an accomplice in the wrong. I wonder, when we hear of the, the slaughter of the innocent in the womb, all the churches, all the ministers, all the pastors, everyone in every church should at least have a sermon that they have preached on, should at least have it online, should at least be putting it out there, should be at least 
telling their people what Almighty God thinks. For if we stand back and say nothing of that which is righteous, then we are an accomplice in that which is wrong. We can put that in the laws that are being passed, where we see the wickedness of man on the left hand, on the right, and many stay silent. And the odd one who sticks their head up from the parapet, as it were, the old time like me this morning, we are shot down by every man and his dog. Many Christians don't rock the boat and don't say anything and don't be too hard and just go along with it. Brothers and sisters, what if we all said nothing? What would happen with these days that we're living in, with these global elitists and the great reset that's happening in our world today when no one can own anything but the government's own or the elitists own everything? When every man and every woman is a slave to the trillionaires and the multi-billionaires of the world, when they tell you how you can eat, you think of it through the last few years, trying to tell you how much sugar you can eat. I know a lot of it can be bad for you, but they're telling you you're not allowed to eat too much sugar. You're not allowed to eat too much fat. They're going to tax you for eating certain things. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And what they're doing is gradually, step by step, they have been bringing us in to a place where we are easily contained. And soon the great reset will happen when the banking systems of the world, of the elitists, will gather in everything to themselves. They'll call me a conspiracy theorist. Now call me a madman, but I can tell you something, friend. This book tells me of the wickedness that was to happen in these days. And only God can set the captive free. Notice this. We find here uh, that this word, Alam means silent and dumb. Church, in your workplace, among your family, with your friends, whoever you meet, wherever you talk, among your church, brothers and sisters, if you don't come to CET, wherever you belong to. Friend, learn these things, speak these things, talk these things, tell these things, but don't leave them in fear. Give them the hope of the gospel that is in our Lord Jesus Christ and tell them of his glorious coming again. Tell them of his blood, his forgiveness of sin. Tell them of his kingdom and preach to them the unsearchable riches of Christ. Don't be dumb. Don't be silent or we will be accomplices with every sinner that we meet or have an opportunity to speak with. Do not be dumb nor silent. Notice this, Allah means dumb or silent. There's no sitting on the fence here, brother. 
There's no sitting on the fence, sister, for he who refrains from defending the right is himself an accomplice in the wrong. It's one or the other here. This is the day and the hour we're living in. It's going to be one or the other. You find the church is maybe going to go underground the way they're having us. It's going to be one or the other. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Matthew 12 and verse 30, He that is not with me is against me. You might say, well, I'm not against Jesus. I just not really made my mind up. I can tell you, there's no sitting on the fence with Christ. There's no sitting on the fence with him and his word. Jonath Elam. Rachel means Rikim. Notice this, the third part of this word. Psalm 56. Jonath Elam Rikokim. The word here, Rachel, means distant, far away, as in distant lands or remote lands. Distant lands or remote lands. Gives the idea through the spirit of prophecy of the scattering of Israel. In distant lands, in remote lands, in the gospel of Christ, the saving grace of the Redeemer coming. Gives the idea that they are a silly dove, as we said, without heart. Gives the idea of the people. In fact, it gives the idea that uh, their heart is open to everything, whether it be spiritual or physical, moral, or ethical, or unethical, or immoral. Our, the hearts of our people are so open to everything. And this last part of the word, rohok, it gives the idea of distant or far. So here this word means to the dumb dove. The dumb dove afar off. David was in Philistine enemy territory. The dumb dove afar off, he says. That's me. First thing he noticed was he recognized the danger around him. He noticed that away from his God and away from Jerusalem and away from all that he knew where he worshipped and all that he loved. He knew he was in a greater danger. He knew that he was being overcome by the wicked one and by the enemy's cohorts. Notice, he realizes he's far away from what he thought was right to do. Finds himself in Philistine territory in Gath. Here we find that he's afar off. The word rechok. He's afar off. It reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same word, by the way, when he's on the cross. But in Psalm 22, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, or the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And with Psalm 22, verse 1, here he sees, as it were, through the spirit of prophecy, the Christ of the cross. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Notice here, he goes on to say, Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? 
The word far from helping me is when Christ is on the cross and he cries those words. Father, you're far from me. He who had never known any distance between him and his father, now with our sins on him, burying them on us in his own body on the tree, his father has forsaken him. Far from God. Father, you're far from me. Where are you, Father? You have forsaken me. This word David uses in Jonath Elam, Orichokim, you're far away from me. Notice this. He says it's a bitch tom of David. This is my last point, friends. And I want you to grasp hold of this. A mitzham of David. This is a word that most scholars find hard to work out. So I've read many over the years and I refreshed myself yesterday as I sat in my study. I sat and I went through different scholars with different ideas. And here's what they generally think this means. Mitzham means to engrave as though you would engrave metal. As though you would put an engraving in a metal. You can't rub it off and you can't rub it out. It's there. It's deep. And you can't get rid of it. Notice this. It also is called by Spurgeon the great, or pardon me, the greater golden secret. The golden secret. And what is that golden secret? Well, this word, mitzham, it's only mentioned five times in Scripture. Psalm 56, Psalm 57, Psalm 58, Psalm 59, Psalm 60. Pardon me, Psalm 16. Notice, if you will, if you turn to Psalm 16, please, just for a few moments. Psalm 16. We're going to round this up. Mitch Tom of David, it says at the beginning, an engraving in his heart, there's something golden about this, he says. Something deep about it. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of, of mine inheritance and the cup, my cup thou maintainest. Here the word is mishtam. I take note of this. Take note, brothers and sisters. It indicates that David's heart was marred or scarred like an engraving. In David's heart, what he had went through, he won't forget it. It was a great big learning curve for David. And brothers and sisters, 
Turn that which you have been through in life. Turn it around and let it be an engraving and not an open wound. For an open wound will fester. An open wound may kill you. An open wound may destroy you. But rather take that and let it be. An engraving like a scar reminds you of the day you cut. But yet you were sewn up and fixed again. David is saying this is golden. And so I finish with these words. The word gold is this. Comes from an iron. Mitch Thomas said comes from an iron which means gold. I finish with this. Mitch Tom lends itself to secrecy and mystery. There's so much to learn. So many depths in God. And that which you go through. That which is happening to you. And that which is pressing at this time. Learn. Live it. And overcome it. Learn it. Live it. And overcome it. It it lends itself to secret and mystery. It indicates a depth of doctrinal and spiritual import. That you and I can always look back upon. All these mixed hands. A mixed hand some say was meant to be engraven on a pillar. In the temple of the Lord or in the palace. The midst ham of David would have read it every time he goes into the presence of God. I want it to be engraven in stone, he says, because it's engraven in my heart. Brothers and sisters, my desire this morning, some may find this interesting. That's okay. Some may find this different or difficult. That's okay. Some might disagree with it, and that's okay. But those of you who will take the word of God this morning, take the word and let that which you've come through in the past, let it engrave your heart, and let the word of God in it be inscribed like stone with a pen of iron, that we may learn the ways of God and not give up and not give in. In these times, when you go home, you read Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Because Psalm 34, although it's not, it comes before Psalm 56. Chronologically, and it becomes, it's before Psalm 56. But Psalm 34 is written after David is away and back in Jerusalem from the Philistines. And there he sings a different tune. There he sings a different song. And it's like the old Puritan Samuel Rutherford once said, man is like a silver bell. The harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. And the harder we're smitten at times, the better we sound for the glory of God. May God bless his word to you. Don't be afraid. Lay hold in Christ. Because Christ has laid hold a new Christian. May God bless you this day. We'll see you, God willing. We'd love to see you at 6 p.m. tonight. Come along and join us, we pray in Jesus' name. Father.
Will you take us with your word today? Lord, as we would, Lord, sing and then leave this place, will you take us with your word in our hearts, in our breasts? Will you open our eyes to what's happening and going on in the world and enable us, Lord, to find our way through this? Will you lead us and guide us with your eye? Teach us. And Lord, we pray, if there's one that knows not your son today, will you bring them to saving faith in Christ? For Jesus' name's sake, we pray and ask it. Amen.